Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Very interesting. We started this subject uh, last two Sundays. We're talking about saved by his life. And this is part number two. So we're going to go straight into the Word. And I want you to pay close attention. Very close attention to that. Hallelujah. Uh, let me say a word a little bit in terms of life. You see, we're talking about Father's Day. We're talking about fathers and all of those things. You've got to understand that fathers actually has a life that impacted. They transmitted something to your life. Fathers transmit. Amen. And now that's what you're going to be seeing. Even though we are saved by the life of Jesus, you must understand that the same Jesus referred to as the everlasting father. Do you understand that? So when you talk about the everlasting father, you're talking about the life of, even I mean when I mean talking about the life of Jesus, you are talking about the life of the everlasting father. Praise God. So we are saved by his life, which is actually the Zoe life, different from the ordinary life. When he talks about give your life and give it to you more abundantly, it's not just about the material things. It has to do with his own kind of life, which is called the Zoe life. But let me say something here in relation to the fathers. Um, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17 to 18. It's a passage you know so very well. Hallelujah. Deuteronomy chapter 8, 17 to 18. And that shall say in their hearts, Okay, go back a little bit to verse 16. Let's just pick it up properly. Oh, it's a longer one. Who fed in the wilderness? God is speaking to the children of Israel. With manna, with thy fathers know not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee to do the good at thy latter end. And thou shalt say in the heart, that's when you become rich now. And thou shalt say in the heart, My power and my mind, or the might of mine, have gotten me these words. But thou shalt remember. First of all, you're going to be worthy. Do you understand that? You see what he said there? He said, my power and my mind, or the might of my hand, have gotten me this wax. That means you're going to be wealthy. He's only trying to say, recognize the source of your words. Then he said, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth the power to get wax. That he may establish his covenant which he swore unto thy fathers as it is this day. God made covenant with fathers. That is why when you obey your parents, when you obey your fathers, when you take instruction from them, he established a covenant. The covenant he made in your children shall be prosperous. Now, God's word will not fail. So he is saying, I am the one establishing the covenant, so don't think you're succeeding by your own strength. I'm trying to bring my word to pass. 
which I spoke to your fathers. Are you listening to me? So you see, the role of father is so vitally important. So vitally important. Go with me to, uh, uh, let me just leave that. Are you with me? When I don't even become a like her. When he said, He that is coming will turn the heart of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers, lest I come and cause the earth. When he talked about the fathers, they were referring, even here, were referring to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not talking about your dead father somewhere. He's not talking about the man that gave birth to your great grandfather. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the fathers. If you look at it, say, the covenant made with the father. So God made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And since you are now children of Abraham, those covenants have to be established in your life. And God wants it established because he said it. The power of fatherhood is so vitally important. And so when we read now Romans chapter 5, I mean, verse number 10, you'll find just like I said, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more be reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Whose life? The son's life. But who is the son? The son also is the father. In fact, it's not just the father, he's the everlasting father. Praise God. So you have to understand something. That is life that is being given to us. Is delivering us from so many things. Deliver us from our sins, deliver us from whatever. I mean, it procures salvation for us, yes. But that is not enough. Salvation, which is what sozo, also means health, wealth, prosperity, good life. Just go check it. It encompasses everything. The word sozo, which is salvation. Hallelujah. And God is intended to establish it. In fact, he has established it. We only need to recognize it and to walk into it. The problem we have is we do not even know what God has made available to us. And that's the greatest undoing as far as we are concerned in terms of being a Christian. I tried to explain that to us last Sunday when we were talking about the issue of advocate and the will of God. How many of you can remember? Praise the living God. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 9. I'm reading from verse 19. He said, When Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of gold with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. This is where the issue of sprinkling comes from. That people normally do. But you see, the things that God was sprinkling were the things that were in the most holy place. In the Lord's. He was purifying or sanctifying the object in the most holy place. He wasn't sprinkling the blood on tires on the road. Amen. And this is what he was saying. This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things 
about the Lord purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Remember, we are saved by his life. Where do you find the life? In the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Verse 23 says, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with things, but he, the heavenly himself, with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Hallelujah. So we find that the blood of Jesus, in fact, you read the book of Hebrews, they tell you that the blood of Jesus speaks better than that the blood of Abel. Have you read that? Why? The blood of Abel, we're talking of vengeance, revenge for me, vengeance for me. But the blood of Jesus said, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. The life of God submits the life. He gives life as compared to any other life. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. And so, mighty 26, verse 26 and 27, down to 28, we have this to read. I need to show you this. Mighty 26, 26. And as they were eating, listen to this. Jesus took bread and blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take it, this is my body. Hallelujah. I have no problem with this transaction thing that they teach. Which has to do with, if you take the wafer loaf, the wafer bread, hmm? You are literally eating the blood of Jesus. And some people tell you, well, they got miracles, they got healing. There's nothing wrong with that. People take peppermint that they get healed. But that doesn't mean peppermint is the blood of Jesus. Is that okay? Are you listening to me? You can't substitute the life of God into a wafer bread. Practically impossible. The wine you are using is already fermented. But the blood of Jesus or the body of Christ knows no corruption. Fermentation is an act of corruption. So telling me that the wine you drink is a blood, you're lying. Because there's corruption there already. It has gone through fermentation. The blood doesn't get fermentation. And I'll make you see that. The wine that Jesus took on the day where they were sitting together on the table. In fact, the Jews, when they do their whatever you call Holy Communion, they don't use natural wine. It's the fruit from the vine, from the grape. They squeeze it into a cup. The raw thing is what they take. They don't keep it overnight because it will get into fermentation. Alcohol will get into it. So they don't take fermented wine in the Holy Communion. So when you're taking your wine, which you buy from the market, and you call it the blood of Jesus, no, brother, you're telling me something different because the blood of Jesus never see corruption. Is anybody listening? Then he said, <laughs> verse 27, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, 
I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with you in my father's kingdom. This is so powerful. I want you to read what's the scripture as we move on. So, what we read in Matthew, I mean the book of Hebrews chapter 9, is what Moses was doing. And that was what he did to establish a covenant in the Old Testament. And so here he comes in and he said, well, this is my blood. I mean, it's inaugurating, I mean, instituting, I'm bringing a new dimension to your life and to your worship. I'm giving you now my life. You partaking of my life. What I'm giving to you is my life. And remember, we are saved by his life. Praise the living God. Then he told him, I will never do this with you again until I'll do with you afresh in my father's kingdom. Okay, fine. That means we have to wait and wait and wait until finally the kingdom comes before we have it done. I mean, that's what the church teaches. But that's not what the Bible is teaching. Hallelujah. Okay, go with me. In the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 39. Acts 10, verse 39. Hallelujah. And we are witnesses of these things. Who is talking? Brother Luke. Physician Luke. He was a medical doctor. We are witnesses of this thing which he did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people. But unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. So what he said in chapter 26 was fulfilled after resurrection, not when he's going to come what he called the second time. Where then is the kingdom of the Father that he was talking about? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The newness of life. A change of status and position through the blood and the power of the life. The Bible tells us in heaven we have three witnesses. Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. On the earth, you have what? The blood, the water, and what? Praise God somebody. When Jesus poured out his blood, he released a life that was in him. I remember I shared with you in Matthew 2020, I mean Act 2028, the Bible tells us precisely that the church was bought with what? The blood of Jesus. Have you read that? Now, look at that again. Take it upon to yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost have made the overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with what? His own blood. So the blood that came out of Jesus was the blood of the life of God. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Are you following me? It wasn't just the blood of some man somewhere. No, 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 no. God's own life was released when Jesus died. You know the mystery? That's where he connected the fathers. The fathers gave life to the seed in the mother's womb. 
So you see, Jesus was both man and divine. Why? Because the life which was the blood that was in the system was from the father, but his flesh was from the mother. That is why the conception was by the Holy Spirit. Are you sitting with me? So you find that the life that was in Jesus was the life of God because he got the blood of God. Now, this is a mystery. I've explained this and I'll keep on repeating it until it gets into your mind. While we read in Hebrews chapter 9, it tells us what Moses was doing. He would sacrifice the animals. Help me. He would sacrifice the animals, right? Okay. And sprinkle the blood to cleanse them up, to sanctify them for the use of God. Now you can understand why the blood of those animals cannot make you perfect. If you read down, you say, I'll touch you the conscience. Why? Because those blood are not the value of a man. Even if you kill 5,000 cows, it can't be the equivalent of the value of one man. Why? Because the blood of the cow have no relationship with the blood of a man. Now, for man to be redeemed, God had to pour out his own blood because the animals can't do it. So how is he going to do that? He has to become a man. That's the mystery of Jesus being God that people don't understand. So in becoming a man, he took the initiative to enter into the heart or the womb of a woman or a virgin. Remember when the angel spoke to Gabriel spoke to Mary and he said you are going to have this happen to you. The next question is how can that be? And he simply answered and said the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee and the holy thing that shall be in thee shall be called the Son of God. What is the power of the Most High? The Holy Spirit. The glory of God. So God came down and deposited his own life in the womb of Mary. That's what he just read in Acts chapter 20 verse 28. So the blood that was in Jesus was the blood of God. Which is the life of God. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Therefore the life that you have right now is in the blood of Jesus. And if you have the life right now with the blood of Jesus, that means you have the life of God. And because you have the life of God, that's why you are the son of God. Are you connecting the links now? Because <laughs> only God or every animal can give back to his own kind. I mean, if you remember this. All animals give back to his own kind. So a dog will give back to a dog. A cat will give back to a cat. Even a cockroach will give back to a cockroach. Are you with me? Because there's a gene in the system that God said reproduce his own kind according to the law of Genesis chapter 1 verse 11. Every fruit should bring forth its own kind. So what do you think God will reproduce? His own kind. That is why we are the sons of God. And because we are the sons of God, on the earth we are called gods. Is that okay? What I mean is, you being called God means you can have dominion. 
over any situation. Because God controls, God rules. And that's a privilege you have as a believer. So there are certain things you can stop from happening in your life. In your environment. Why? Because you are God. I love what Joseph said. He told the brother, I said, oh God, I'll make me a father unto Pharaoh. How many of you remember that? Glory to God. That means I'm in charge. All God's sons are fathers in all situations that define themselves. Why? Because they have the life of God on their inside. Are you getting this? Praise God. So, this is what you find there. And so we are made to understand from the Acts chapter 10. When Jesus rose, Paul, I mean, Luke said, we ate together. Remember in 26 of Matthew, he said, I will eat this with you again until I eat it with you in my father's kingdom. And when he rose from the grave, which has to do with Acts 10 now, remember what we read. He said, we ate with him after resurrection. Reading Acts chapter 10 and the last verse as well in verse 41. Not to all the people he showed himself, but unto witnesses closing before of God, even to us, we did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. Remember what he promised them? I will eat with you again in the kingdom of my father. When did this happen? Go with me to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24, verse 29. Oh, glory. Here he find two men on the road to Amos. They were walking and he was explaining to them because they were confused. I'm going to show you something. You will understand why he refused Mary to touch him. 29. But they constrained him, these two people. He was as if he was passing by because they nobody recognized him anymore. That's why you don't know Christ by physical appearance. He can take any other form than appear to you. He's no longer the one you see on your calendar. That one is picture by an artist, photography, have nothing to do with God. Is that okay? So, if you have that picture put it in your room and maybe you worship in it, fine, you can get the result. But that is not Jesus. No, we know my after the flesh. Even though I have no Christ, I have my hands for no we no more. 2 Corinthians 5. Is that okay? Verse 29. But he constrained him, saying, Abide with us. For it is towards evening, and a day is fast spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break it and gave to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. This is what Luke was referring to in chapter 10 verse 41. This is what he promised them in mighty 26. I will deal with you again in the kingdom of my father. So you enter into the kingdom of the father after resurrection from the grave. And he did really eat with them. Understanding came to them. Revelation came to them. 
Now they can really see what it means to be in the kingdom. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. And so, when he died, remember, rose from the grave, Mary Magdalene went there. I was to touch him. And he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to the Father and your Father. I have not yet ascended to my Father and your Father. But go tell my brethren that I have risen. Go to Jerusalem and tell them, I have risen. Are you sitting with me? What do you think he was saying there when he said, Mary, don't touch me, but I'm not ascended. Because every high priest must present the blood before the Father. When you sacrifice, when the high priest sacrifice the blood right on the outer court, he takes the blood into the most holy place to present it and sprinkle it. To say the sins of the people have what? Are forgiven. That he have not done when he rose from the grave. When Mary saw him. And so he told Mary, don't touch me yet. I have not finished the assignment of the priest that I'm supposed to perform. So he went into the presence of the father to present a blood of sacrifice as a priest. A high priest for that matter. And instantly, the sins of humanity, if you will, was forgiven. Now, when he came out of the high priesthood ministration in the presence of God, he blessed humanity with another life. This time, he exchanged his life for our life. And that is why you read the scripture. I used to ask this question. Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible tells you, that the word of God, for 12. The word of God is sharper than any two edged sword. Have you read that in your Bible? And it talks about piercing deep down to the marrow, dividing the soul and spirit. My question is, what is in the marrow that the world is looking for? What is there in the marrow? The medical people are here. We know that the marrow is where the blood is from. Am I right? So when, when your blood is not properly formed in that dimension, that's why sometimes you have cancer of the bones and whatever the case may be. Hallelujah. Why do you think the word is going deep down into your marrow? The word is going there to redrift, what I put it now, to transmit and to bring forth a new blood cells into your own blood and take away the blood of sin, the blood of Adam, the blood of your old grandfather. That is why there can never be a generational cause. Because you don't carry the blood of your fathers anymore. Are you following what I'm saying here? You don't have the blood of your parents anymore. You have the blood of Jesus. You have the blood of Christ. He gave his life for you. He gave you blood. Which is the life. Leviticus 17 verse 11. For the life of the flesh is where? In the blood. And that's why it has given to us. Friends, we are meant to live. We are meant to be healthy. We are meant to be strong. Praise God somebody. I get so challenged when I read the Bible. For instance, in the Old Testament the Bible says none of them were feeble in the wilderness. None of them were feeble 
That's none of them were weak. That means they were all strong. Now, if we say the New Testament is better than the Old Testament, why are we weak today? And they were not weak. The eight manna that were perishing were eating manna that doesn't perish, which is the word of God. So the, the answer lies on the fact that we are not taking the word of God seriously the way we are supposed to take it. The secret of divine health, the secret of longevity, the secret of being healthy is God's word. Praise God. The man gave the wind and he told them that the manna will perish, but he gave them another thing, which is the manna that will never perish. And he says, it's me, my flesh. In the beginning was the word. The word was God, the word is God. And the word was made flesh. So when he said, take my flesh, drink my blood. What was he saying? Take the word and have the Holy Spirit. You combine the word and the Holy Spirit, you will live in divine health. Praise God. God will have to help us grow. See, this mystery of the blood we're talking about. Record out there, I don't know if that is true, but you see, before I think Dr. Harvey, I'm sure, discovered this issue of the blood in the human system. That was about 3,600 years after Moses wrote the book of Leviticus. God already knew something about the blood. All this talk about homoglobin, whatever you're talking about, Dr. Harvey, Dr. Hunter, I'm sure they discover all of those things. Medical student, am I correct? You can bear me witness. But that's all I know. Praise the living God somebody. Moses already knew and talked about blood 3,600 years ahead of time. You can stay here with the word of God and see what is coming years ahead. Even on this country, in your own life, in your children's life. You can know if you stay with the word. Before medical science discover what the blood is composed of in the human body, Moses already talked about it. 3,600 years ahead of time. Praise the living God. So we know the blood possesses that living principle that the life of the old body derived from. We're talking about the doctrine of revelation. Praise the living God. The blood is got that proper fluid that flows through the human system. Solomon talked about it in Acts 12 6. Dr. Harvey discovered it 1628. 3,600 years. 1628 when Dr. Harvey talked about your blood. Moses have already spoken about it. 3,600 years ahead of time. The Bible is the solution. Not just to mankind, but to everything that pertains to life on this earth. If you are a student of the word of God, you can literally receive life on a daily basis. No wonder it is called, give us our daily bread. Is that okay? Deliberate a personal revelation is a word that comes from God unto you. As you study, as you read, praise God somebody. 
When he said, give us our daily bread, he has to do exactly what was happening in the wilderness. The manna was coming daily. Every day they go out to collect a manna sufficient for the day. And guess what? And this is very important. When you pick the manna, you only eat what is sufficient for that day. You don't take extra. If you try to take some extra to keep it overnight, it brings warm. That's to tell you, God wants you to get fresh word from him every day. The revelation of yesterday can suffice for today. You have to have your daily bread, which is the word of God. As you study, God keep on revealing his mind unto you. Amen, somebody? Praise the living God. So this is what the Lord is sharing with us. You need to understand it. Like I said before, 4 John chapter 5 is number 8. It says, And there are three that bear witness in us. The spirit and the water. But let's look at it from verse number 7. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the world, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. They are in agreement. Hallelujah. Number eight. And there are three that bear witness on it. The spirit, the water, and the blood. Did you get this? The spirit, the water, and the blood. Now, this is not talking about H2O. It's not about water baptism. Hallelujah. The spirit, the water, and the blood. It's not dealing. This is the Holy Spirit. It's not dealing when we talk about water. It's not just talking about H2O. Praise the living God. You remember, I was sharing that with my wife yesterday. If you look at the story of the woman at the well, Jacob's well, John 4, I mean, yes, verse number 6, they were at the well that Jacob dug for the Samaritans. But get the question. The woman said, give me that water. There was well there. There was water there. But these are taking the woman outside of what was being seen into the dimension that he needs to live with. She came to fetch water. And Jesus said, I can give you. Give me to drink. So how can I give to you? I, you, are, you are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. How can I give you water to drink? No relationship. Praise the living God. Amen? Okay, okay, let's just read it. Go back to verse number 7. Let's take it from verse number 7. So you can find that. Then he commit a woman in to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. Verse number 8. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then she had the woman of Samaria unto her, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me? Which can, I mean, woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And then the next thing the Bible says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou will have asked him, and he will have given thee living water. Praise the living God. What's the next thing? Do my said unto him, sir, thou have nothing to draw. He said, she's still thinking about natural water. 
Are you getting that? You have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. From where then hast thou that living water? What is the next thing? Are thou greater than our father Jacob, who gave up the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto him, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall test again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never test. But the water that I shall give him shall be where? In him a well of water springing up into what? Everlasting life. He took her attention from natural things to spiritual things. So water in this contents is not dealing with H2O. It's dealing with the life of God. Praise the living God. Is anybody following me? I need to get this point right. You are saved by his life. So if God's life is dwelling in you, if you understand what I'm talking about, things will literally work for you because a life will attract all that which is good. Praise the living God. Are you listening to me? The life in you will attract all that is supposed to be good. You can't get anything outside of the flow of this life. That's why he told the woman, this life is welling over toward everlasting life. The end point of what that life does for you is the final situation you find yourself becoming one with you, with God. Praise the living God. We are saved in this life. You want to walk through this life secured. You want to walk this through life procuring what you're supposed to. You need the life of God which is found in his blood. But the life of the flesh is in the blood. The blood of the everlasting father. The blood you receive is not for chicken. The blood you receive is not for anything. It is the blood of the everlasting father himself. Because he purchased the church with his own blood. Which has to do with what? His own life. And remember, to purchase means an exchange. That is to say, the value of what you pay for must correspond to what you're paying for. Anything you're going to purchase, the value must correspond by implication. If I need to ask you right now, what is the value of your life? You probably will not have an answer to give. But the truth of the matter is this. The value of your life today is the life of God. Praise the living God. The very life of God is the value of your life. Nothing less. Because that's what he paid for. Hallelujah. Take for instance, if you go and buy a Mercedes-Benz car and you pay two million, for instance, you have the car to your possession. What is the value of the car? Two million. Is that okay? Right. That's what you paid for. That's what you use in paying to get the car. The value of the Mercedes Benz you just bought is two million. So you value the Mercedes based on what you paid. So if Jesus, God, bought you with his blood, what is your value? The blood of Jesus. Praise the living God. 
see, there are things that must get into your head that sets you free from the bondages that you may probably find yourself. There is an understanding that comes to you. A life will begin to speak. Who preached to the prodigal son? Nobody did. He discovered it. By revelation. No, I can't continue with this. I have a home. I came from a place. There's dignity, there's power, there's glory in that place where I left. I'm going back home. The prodigal son is just simply our return back to the original place that God has for us. And guess what? When you come back as a prodigal son, God will kill the fastest car, he give you new clothes to put on, and what's the next? He gives you a ring. And what do you think the ring stands for? It stands for authority. The ring for every child of Israel, when given the ring, it means you can sign my check on my behalf. You can sign my document when I'm not there. Oh, glory. Is anybody understand what I'm talking about? You, you've come to that place in returning back to the Father. You have the signature of the Father. You are sealed with that signature. You can sign the check on behalf of God. Because you are his son. Praise the living God. And you are his son because you got the blood. So when Jesus said, he is the son of God, what happened? For every other thing that he tried to do, they never think of killing him. But the day he said, I am a son of God, that was the only offense he committed. They wanted to kill him. What was the next question? How can you, being a human being, say you are a son of God? That's why they said, pick stones and kill him. That is blasphemy. Yes. If I say the same thing to you today, you also see that blasphemy. But the truth of the matter is this. You don't have any other identity other than you being a child of God. Other than you being a God on this world. You don't have any other identity. That's who you are. Whether you accept it or not, whether anybody wants to believe it or not, that's a reality. And the fact that we don't believe it, that's why we live the way we live in. Praise God. And there is no junior son and senior son. Because it's one blood on you all, one father, one spirit, one love, one faith. No junior, no senior. No Greek, no Jews. One. You must begin to discover who you are. And know exactly what comes to you for being a son. Praise the living God somebody. This is where you can speak things into creation. This is where you can really speak things into creation. This is where you can have revelations. You can have, thank you Lord. You can have revelations come to you from God. This is where your dreams get purified. That when you are given dreams, you will know exactly what God is saying. Because God will also help you interpret the dream. Hallelujah. I just remember the one I had this night. And then somebody gave me a phone number. And I'm not going to send this phone number to you. It's personal to me. It didn't start to say it to the church. Is that okay? I'm trying to make you understand. You must come to that place of communicating with God because he has a son. Every son speaks to the father. That's the point of your prayer. And every father will only respond to the son. Praise the living God. We are saved by what? By his life. Not by tying some cowries. Not by tying some red cloth. You know. What we're saying is so cheap. When I use the word cheap, people don't value it. But we know that in the local villages, in the villages, 
If people have a plantain, or maybe let me say a mango tree, and tie a red cloth on it, you, even as a believer, would dare not get close to that place. Am I correct? Oh, come on, talk to me. Am I right? You won't get close. You say, ah, oh, there's shrine there, there's juju there, but the red cloth. Red cloth that you can buy in the market and use for your dress. Somebody just get the piece tied upon. And you can't get close there. Even thieves who don't want to get near there. That's the value they place on juju and shrine and magic. But I'm talking about real life. So if you can begin to understand what life is. Begin to place value on this life. It begins to attract to you the things you need for life. That's why it talks about is giving us all that pertain to life and godliness. All that pertain to life is from this life of His. It's from this very life that He gave to us. It's from this blood that He shed. Everything that pertains to life and godliness begin to come towards us. Listen, folks, you are a child of God. You are bought with a price. The blood of Jesus is flowing in your body. The life of God is right now in your system. You don't have an old blood, you got a new blood. Hallelujah! And this blood is speaking more than that of evil. It's bringing life to you. It's changing things around you. Understand that we transform your life. That you have the blood of the Most High God. Therefore you are a child of God. Born of the Spirit and the blood of the Father. Not the blood of goats. Not the blood of animals. That's why if you foolishly join those who do sacrifices, you're wasting your time. Because no matter how, how many animals and fowl they will kill, they are not the equivalent of your life. So they can't redeem you. They can't give you anything. Because you have to pay for something that's equivalent from what you are paying for. Therefore, fowls and goats and chicken and turkeys are not your equivalent. So no matter how many of them you sacrifice, you see suffer what you are suffering. This is the only blood that transforms your life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Hallelujah! I want you to come to that place where understanding will begin to flood your mind. When you walk this street, you walk as a child of God. When you move, you move as somebody who knows tomorrow. Somebody said, we don't know anything about tomorrow. Well, that's left for you. If if Moses can see 3,600 years ahead of time, that was more than tomorrow. Are you getting what I'm talking about? If I want the blood is supposed to be, you can know your tomorrow. We are not in darkness. We know our future. We are children of the day. We are not children of darkness. We are children of light. We can see ahead of time. We can know what is coming forth. God can speak to us because we are son. Can somebody please stand up? I just want us to pray very briefly. I need to come to that understanding, people of God. Where you are today, who you are today, the season that you are right now, by reason of this blood. For by his blood, we are not just saved, your sins are not just forgiven. You have been translated, you have been moved. Glory to God. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.